into cybersecurity? There's a ton of content out there, and if you don't know where to start, it can be overwhelming, even paralyzing. So let's fix that. Welcome to Simply Cyber, a community of tens of thousands of aspiring and active cybersecurity professionals focused on networking, knowledge sharing, and professional development. I'm Dr. Gerald Dozier, Chief Content Creator at Simply Cyber, inviting you to get the answers to your cybersecurity problems with hundreds of cybersecurity videos answering your frequently asked questions, interviewing industry experts, and live streaming daily cyber threat briefings hosted by me. Now get the stories and insights you won't find anywhere else. Hit subscribe now and dig into all the fresh content on the channel and in the community. Nothing should stop you from launching and leveling up your cybersecurity career today. What's up? <clears throat> What's up, everybody? Good morning. It is August. We made it through July, August 1st, 2023. Welcome to episode number 420, if that's your jam. <laughs> I didn't even realize that. Shows you how attuned I am to that culture. Uh, but yeah, you know, uh, episode 420. Come get it. I'm your host, Dr. Gerald Dozier. And over the next 40 months... Welcome to the Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Brief Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Gerald Ozier. And over the next 45 minutes, me, you. Hold on one second. I'm getting some audio. Some audio. Uh, um, let, me, let me bring the music down. The idea is for you to hear the music subtly behind me, not over me. Or I'm not, I'm not singing the intro of the daily broadcast <laughs> to this song. All right, y'all. All right, let's wind it back. Welcome, everybody, to episode 420 of the Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Brief Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Gerald Dozier, and over the next 45 minutes, me, you, Marcus Seiler, Anna Lynn, Carrie White, Cyber Ninja, Stone Arrow, Carrie, John Bruno, Toasty Pops, mods like BSEC, Josh Mason, Jenny Housley, Justin Gold, Simply Cyber community members, Simply Cyber squad members, people over on LinkedIn, people over on YouTube, first-timers and long-timers, we are all going to be shredding through the top cybersecurity news stories of the day. And I'll be giving my expert opinion and analysis on each of those stories, on what it means to you as a practitioner. So how can you use this this week or this month or this quarter? Or if you're looking to break into the industry, believe me, you're going to be asked in any job interview, how do you stay current in the industry? This podcast is a phenomenal answer. Additionally, it's worth CPEs. Additionally, the networking is next level. couple hundred people, 300 people usually in chat live together every morning. Plus another, you know, 15 to 2,000, 1,500 to 2,000 on replay. So get engaged, get going, and let's have a fun time. I want to remind everybody, I do not review these stories or do any research prior to going live. So every single morning, 420 days in a row, or 420 shows in a row, minus, of course, when Eric Taylor, Jack Scott fill in for me. I'm just hitting go live and let's see what happens. Um, and it's, it's, it's turned out really well. I've enjoyed it. Uh, so looking forward to that. I want to remind everybody, as I said a moment ago, each episode of the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing is worth half a CPE. If you don't know what CPEs are, I, I usually get a question or two in chat. They are continuing professional education credits. And if you have cybersecurity certifications, 
most likely you need CPEs to maintain them. Not all of them. I think um, Heath might require PNPT to not uh, do CPEs, but I mean, it's very few. Most, most cybersecurity certification companies want you to do CPEs. This podcast, one of those situations. So if you don't have a cert yet, you're studying, you're trying to get one, um, you know, when when you do get it, we'll be here dishing out CPEs like bosses. Now you might be like, how do I say that I got a CPE? Guys, if you're live, ha- do just type anything. Marcus Heiler just said, good morning, Jazzy Jazz. Boom, green, grab a screen cap of that. Name it August 1st CPE, right? Each episode's a half. So two and a half a week, 10 a month, uh, 40 a quarter, uh, which is plenty for what you're gonna need. So just say what's up. If you don't know what to say, hashtag team live in chat. Let us know that you're live with us this morning. Hashtag team live. If you're on replay, it applies to you too. If you watch the the threat brief, hashtag team replay in chat. I do see a lot of great team replays. Shout out to Chris Weaver for her timestamps that uh, always throwing down uh, some good dialogue in there. Got, I I do appreciate the community um, with my IDOR misstep yesterday and then uh, pulling up from the nose that before, like like Maverick in top in the second Top Gun movie, like I didn't hit the. By the way, spoiler alert: I didn't hit the uh, mountain thing. I like pulled up right at the last second. So definitely getting going. Oh, Subro Sengupta, guess what, Jerry? Your emphasis on networking helps. I gather courage to speak to the head of cyber assurance. He suggested I get CC certified and give me a lot of tips. Hopefully, there will be opening soon. My man, Subro, doing what? We just become best friends. Yep. Boom, Supro! Thank you for the 200. Um, with all, I don't recognize that uh, currency uh, symbol, uh, but thank you for the super chat. No matter what, genuinely appreciate it. And guys, believe me, this is what I'm talking about. Networking is unbelievably valuable. It's unbelievably valued. Jesse Johnson and I were having a conversation just a couple days ago. It you cannot be overstated how valuable it is. The thing is, it's not super. It's not super. Dis- like explicit it's not like do these three things and now you're networking it's a very nebulous concept but we do all that we're we do everything we can within simply cyber to enable everybody to be able to network including the simply cyber community challenge so stay tuned for that at the mid-roll it is uh tidbits tuesday so i'll be sharing a a personal little thing with me um that maybe resonates with you on um at the mid-roll now before we get into it though i do want to take a minute and give a shout out to the stream sponsors those who make it possible for me to bring this every single morning um at you know basically no cost panopsi security holla 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 guys panopsi security run by brandon pool uh they do a lot of things msp type stuff but they operate left of boom and if you take my grc course you know what i'm talking about they operate um they have some grc capabilities and one that i want to tell you about is the quantified risk assessment so basically if you're a business or you just got hired in to be in charge of information security what's up carl thanks for the super chat carl we just become best friends if you just got brought into an organization uh and they're like we need you to help us get secure right a quantified risk assessment is an awesome investment right off the rip, right? Be like, listen, because by the way, like here's the deal. When you go into any organization, the very first thing you should do is figure out what the hell is going on there, right? You cannot make moves and pivot around if you have no base on what is going on. I don't, like qualified risk assessments, fine, quantified enterprise, whatever you want to do, but 
Panopsi's enter, uh, quantified risk assessment will give you statistically sound evidence on how likely you are to suffer certain incidents, and then you can go get budget with that money. So go check them out, Panopsi Cyber. Uh, Panopsi.com, links in the description below. Also want to say shout out and love to Anti-Siphon Training. This is the Black Hills Information Security Training Arm. They are putting on awesome trains all the time, right? Like weekly trainings, like one-hour webinars, and then long-form 16-hour ones. Anti-Siphon is putting on a whole host of training at Wild West Hackenfest, so you could check that. But what I wanted to call your attention to is the live pay-what-you-can courses here. They have eight of them. I had somebody in chat just yesterday asking me, about where can I get PCI training? They were upset. They were upset that my GRC course didn't have PCI in it and that that was like, you know, a problem. Um, I, I don't have PCI experience, so I can't teach on it. But I did point them to this right here. Introduction to PCI, October 3rd. You can sign up, pay what you can. The Black Hills Anti-Siphon Training is phenomenal, okay? So if you're looking for training, you want to spend a couple bucks, it's every bit worth every penny you pay. Believe me, I've taken the active defense and cyber deception. It was excellent. I, I really enjoyed it. I paid $300 because I got my company to pay for it. And I was like, hey, like, you know, let's let's do this, right? Like just kind of pass through the money. It's really, really good. Also want to say shout out and love to Barricade Cyber, but I'm giving Eric Taylor and his company, Barricade Cyber, the uh, opportunity to be mentioned at the mid-roll. So more about them later. But right now, guys, do me a favor. Sit back, relax, grab your coffee cup, whatever you're going to do. Grab your, your tea cup, grab your bourbon if you're maybe uh, like in the European time zone, Eastern European or whatever, and you're, or your vodka, like whatever you're drinking. Get, get something, get comfortable, kick your feet up and relax because we're about to let the cool sounds of the hot news Percy! wash over us in an awesome wave. I'll see you guys at the mid-roll. From the CISO series, it's cybersecurity headlines. It's Tuesday, August 1st, 2023. White House releases National Cyber and Workforce Education Strategy. According to the Office of the National Cyber Director, this new strategy will seek to create a partnership between nine government agencies and over 200 nonprofits, corporations, and educational institutions. This will see the National Science Foundation issue over $24 million in grants for cyber education scholarships. NIST will award up to $3.6 million to partner with regional organizations on workforce development and education initiatives, and the Department of Labor will use $65 million in grants to fund apprenticeship programs in cybersecurity across 45 states and territories. The White House characterized this as a whole-of-society effort to expand the cyber workforce. Okie dokie. All right, so... In addition to this, uh, thanks, Abdul, for the squad member. Listen, um, so they unveiled this yesterday. There was actually more to it. There was, um, I want to, I want, so if you want, you can go to Sister Series and get these links. I'm going to drop this link, but there was a different one that I want to share with you. Uh, equally interesting White House briefing, no, White House Cyber Education. Uh, I guess it, maybe this is it. I read it yesterday. Yeah. So this is, see how this is July 31st? So this is like in pair. The Biden-Harris administration, National Cyber Workforce um, Education Strategy, unleashing America's cyber talent. Oh yeah, brother. Like, wait, wait, good. <laughs> like whoever was wordsmithing it up, it's like, oh, we've got all these starchy, 
like bureaucratic uh, country club words. Let's throw in something to really like, you know, <laughs> this is like in the 90s when every um, like food company was putting extreme on everything. It was like Mountain Dew, extreme code red, like unleashing America's cyber talent. Like we've been we've been lashed down. The cyber talent's always been there. We've just been like we've we've been fettered to a like a radiator or something in some type of saw movie. Like, what are you talking about? Like, I love it. I love it because I, I like hyperbolic. But, dude, like, come on. Um, I just sorry. I just see that right now. Yeah, exactly. Snap into a Slim Jim, Jenny Housley. All right, so uh, I'll drop this link in chat, but what is good for everybody here? Oh, wait, I can't. Apparently, this link is more than 200 characters long, so I cannot do that. Sorry. Um, mods, maybe if you could. Uh, there's probably some um, tracking characters afterwards that you don't need. Um, this plan basically wants to do all these things that are in bold, right? Leverage adaptable ecosystems to affect change and scale. What? What does that mean? The idea here is that they want to leverage existing um, existing educational programs and existing capabilities in order to make foundation of cyber skill learning opportunities available to all. Now, what is really, really interesting to me here is, yes, there is trained cyber workforce. So like everybody here in chat that wants to work, whether it's Alana and GRC or uh, um, Cat GPT as a SOC analyst or, or whatever, Leonardo as a pen tester, training the cyber workforce, there is money and uh, carve outs for that. But what this plan is actually talking about this plan right here, they're actually talking about um, kind of like cyber literacy almost right here. Expand competency-based cyber education. Invest in educators. Like the way that I read it, it, it's not just, yes, it is about uh, building the workforce and that's the primary. But to me, it seemed also like, you know how like people graduate high school and they don't know how to like manage a checkbook or they don't understand like how money works or time and stuff like that. Part of this, my understanding was that it's kind of like um, cyber cyber literacy. It's like raise the tide for all the boats, whether you want to work in it or not. Because let's be honest, everybody should have some semblance of cyber education. Now, uh, this is a lot of money. This is a lot of money. But it's already kind of earmarked for these 200 nonprofits, corps, colleges, universities, Um so what I would say is this is really, really cool. There's probably opportunities that are going to crop up uh, in the next, say, six to 12 months, uh, programs that we might be able to get into. So maybe uh, like Carrie, I know that you're often uh, times point out that, you know, uh, the investment, the financial investment into uh, some cyber education might be prohibitive. These type of programs, Department of Labor contributing $65 million to fund 45 states, like this may actually unlock opportunities for some people who were marginalized because of socioeconomic uh, type uh, attributes. So I think that this is really, really good. I'm super excited for it. Obviously, it's a cash grab for a lot of these um, groups, right? Like uh, these colleges and, and corporations. When I say cash grab, I mean, they're going to execute on the work, but um, they're for pro a lot of these are for-profit organizations, right? So uh, there will be profit to be had on it. Um, I'm interested in it. You know, I'm interested. Um, stay tuned again. I I've been teasing this September 4th. Uh, I've got some big announcements to share. 
uh, I can just tell you, like, one of the things that I'm kind of tracking right now, I would love, I've been thinking about this. This is very, very, very early. Like, I haven't even said this out loud before. So I'm sharing it with you here right now. This is breaking news. Hit the breaking sounder, Bobby. Like, do, 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 do. I, I should get a breaking sounder thing. Um, I'm thinking of trying to put together, like, a um, like a kid's summer camp cyber summer camp type thing so like instead of like going and doing sci- uh like uh soccer summer camp or surfing summer camp it'd be like a cyber sur- cyber summer camp for like a week or two weeks in the summer uh, i'd probably start in charleston and then try to like you know grow but if opportunities like this exist where you can get um not just funding but resources and you know time and stuff like that this could be wild so uh, that's something that I'm really thinking about. And this is, to me, like, this is just really good. We have been talking for so long about how cyber has been kind of kicked down the curb and not not treated with the level. And I don't say respect because I work in the industry. I mean, it's so freaking important to everything that it's finally, the, the, the wave has crashed over modern business, which is kind of driving decisions to realize that cyber is a real thing. It costs a lot of money. We should probably get in front of it. We, oh, well, we can't hire anyone because we don't have the workforce, right? So like, that's what all this is. Way to go. Um, way to go, executive administration. I'd love to see where this goes. Latest DeFi exploit sees millions in losses. The stablecoin exchange Curve offers financial services using smart contracts on the Ethereum blockchain. However, it appears threat actors used a compiler bug used in Viper, a programming language used by Curve's platform, to access several of its stablecoin pools. No word from Curve on exact losses, but the auditing firm BlockSec estimates at least $42 million in losses. The Viper bug could also potentially impact other projects. It seems Curve could see a return of some of these funds, with some assets proactively taken by ethical hackers. What? Curve Finance drained $50 million? Sorry, I was... DMing somebody. Uh, Jesse says, my daughter walks around the house saying cybersecurity. Nice. Get him early. Get him early, man. Um, so what happened here? Uh, cryptocurrency could be a risk due to a bug impacting curve. All right. Well, okay. Hold on. I'm a crypto evangelist. I love it. Love it. Love it. If you don't know, that is Charles Finfrock. He is a great, he's a, he's a great friend of mine. He's a friend of the Simply Cyber community. And uh, he's he's still all in on crypto, even though it's because it, it he's got reasons why he's in on crypto. But um, it just sounds like I, I kind of missed the story. Uh, honestly, I, it was crypto. So I kind of like zoned out. <laughs> um, but reentry is a common bug that allows attackers to trick a smart contract by making repeated calls to a protocol in order to steal assets. A call is authorization. Um, so whatever, this is just another kind of like blockchain crypto protocol thing here's the deal guys okay the, like when lazarus group uh aka north korea steals like 670 million dollars from the axie infinity ronin bridge that's like a cyber attack right they they attacked like some person who was had creds to some sensitive stuff on the platform and then exploited those creds to get in and make changes or whatever but every once in a while these crypto algorithms and these crypto protocols people discover weaknesses in them and to me this is like the root of a, a really good pen tester or red teamer 
When you look at the curve protocol, right? And I, there was another one a while ago that I, I'll, I'll mention in a second. But like when you look at the protocol and, and, and kind of crypto in general, it's like you make a transaction and then a lot of people have to like, vo like vote kind of or um, either vote on it or they like compute the transaction and, and verify it's legitimate. And when enough people verify it's legitimate, then it gets written to the blockchain. Right. And the whole idea here is that you can't be fraudulent because there's no way you could kind of crowdsource a bunch of random people all at the same time to calculate it as a legitimate transaction. Right. So it's it's like it's 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 almost like validated by a diffusion instead of having like one person or one entity be like, oh, this is an official transaction. Let's go. And in reality, that sounds like a really fine idea as far as like the blockchain goes and all that. Now. There, this is one of those ones where because this protocol allows you to make repeated calls to it, right? Which I don't, I don't understand what the impact is. But for whatever reason, if you're allowed to make repeatable calls without it being throttled, right? Think of slow mode in Discord, right? Like, if if you don't allow throttling, then someone can write a script to go bang, 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 right? And somehow it it um, attacks the protocol and allows you to do things like drain money out of it. Uh, another one I saw was, uh, just to give another example of how these protocols can be broken, imagine, if you will, that the Simply Cyber community, 265 of you live folks today right here, let's say I ran a poll. Right now I ran a poll and I said, okay, we're going to change, um, I don't know, we're going to change the name of jawjacking right or like whatever like we're, or we're gonna name one of the new shows and one of the new shows is gonna be called actually no no actually let's make this more uh, appropriate right let's say that um this this a uh, white house thing right here uh let's say that you know they're giving money away and let's say that they gave simply cyber a thousand dollars because i do cyber education type stuff and i'm like oh cool a thousand dollars all right hey i'm gonna give a thousand dollars out to one person in the community, we're all gonna vote on it, right? This is very similar to on the blockchain when they say, hey, we've got all this like liquidity and we're going to decide to give some of it to uh, some of the stakeholders. When you do that, you would think that each of us have an equal vote, 275 of us, right? Each of us get an equal vote and then we vote as a community. Well, that's fine, but sometimes in the blockchain, like maybe I own 300 uh, units of voting and all of you own one unit of voting. And this happens, this happened with another protocol. So like I have now a gross vested interest because I can basically control anything I want. So I propose that the thousand dollars goes to me and then I instantly vote for me. And even though it goes through the protocol and it's all fair, according to the protocol, I just exploited a loophole because I have a majority vote just by myself. Do you see what I'm saying? So long story short, whether it's crypto protocols or it's a new, you know, TCP implementation, the way that threat actors and security researchers and really, really, really good pen testers work is they look at a system, a process, a protocol, whatever it is, and then they think of a way that it could be used in a way it wasn't intended. And that's actually a skill that I, I'll be honest to admit, I, I don't really have that. I'm more of a conformist. I like structure organization, understanding how something's supposed to work and then executing it to its fullest. But pen testers, like if you look at stuff and see interesting ways to break it, that you might be good for, um, you might be good for the red team.
no link found between cyber insurance and paying ransoms. This finding comes from an independent study published by the UK's National Cybersecurity Center and Research Institute for Sociotechnical Cybersecurity. The conventional wisdom goes that threat actors could specifically target organizations known to carry cyber insurance to ensure an easier payout. The researchers found no evidence of that, but did see that threat actors did use exfiltrated information about cyber insurance obtained in an attack as further leverage in negotiations. Yep. The study concluded that the low costs and risk in ransomware played a much larger role in its continuing rise than any change in cyber insurance coverage. Okay, so my GRC people, cyber insurance, oh yeah, like, can I get, what, like... I won't push cyber insurance on any of you as a topic of discussion. It is incredibly niche, niche, niche. But if it comes up in the stories, you know I'm going to take a victory lap on this. A uh, really quick shout out. BSEC is saying re regarding the crypto story that we just covered, there's an advent of cyber room last year from Try Hack Me that shows you how to dump crypto. So if you'd like to go a little bit more into this story and actually get a practical lab exercise, go check out the advent of cyber um, dumping crypto. Okay, so cyber insurance is a way to make you whole as an organization for downtime, for paying the ransom, for reputational damage. A uh, famous example, if you want, if you really want to get uh, into it, um, Zurich and who was it? Not Mondelez. Who was the original one? Oh my God, who was the original one? Um, the one who took him the quarter. Oh, Merck, right? Merck or Mersk? Is it Mersk? Yeah. Dude, uh, well, my, 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 um, of course, my Google foo is terrible right now. Anyways, Merck declared, uh, had to pay like, um, 300 million. Oh, here it is. Merck. Merck. 1.4 billion dollar cyber insurance, right? And then Mondelez came right off the uh, top rope, uh, in like a tag team wrestling move where Merck held the Zurich's arm and, um, Mondelez came down with an elbow on the arm. $1.4 billion cyber insurance policy that Zurich tried to not pay, claiming act of war for not pet you attack, and ultimately a judge decided it. So cyber insurance is big money, y'all. It's big, big money. And it's a whole industry around it. The insurance people are freaking out because it's really difficult for them to manage that risk. Um, and one of the arguments is that you know, you should definitely get it, especially for ransomware, because you can pay for the ransom negotiators, the incident response, the recovery efforts. And I guess uh, an independent study out of the UK, so it's not completely ridiculous, is saying that um, victims with cyber insurance pay more often. Um, I would agree with this, okay? So this is really complicated though, right? When you have cyber insurance, you're, um, you may not want to pay period because you don't like you as an individual business don't want to support terrorism. You as a business may not be allowed to pay the ransom, right? If you're a federal agency, uh, in the United States or a government agency, you're not allowed to pay it because you're funding terrorism there. I don't know if there's this kind of stipulation, but there might be stipulations in contracts that say, if you uh, fun terrorism, you're not allowed to do business with us, maybe in an international setting, right? So just because you have it doesn't mean you always can pay it or want to pay it. Now, they pointed one thing out in the story that I think is very, very important. Threat actors who do break in 
Yeah, exactly. I'll talk about that in a second, BSEC. Um, the big thing to take away here is that when threat, some it's not uncommon for threat actors to uh, break in, exfil your data, and know what your insurance policy is. So if your insurance policy is like for $2 million of coverage, right? The insurance company is going to pay up to $2 million. Well, guess, just take a wild guess how much the threat actor is going to say that your ransom is. And and spoiler alert, it's not two million. They'll say two and a half million because they know at this point that there's this like stupid used car salesman haggling process that goes on where it's like two and a half million. No, we'll give you one and a half. All right, we'll do two. All right, well that's our insurance policy. We'll pay it, right? This this happens now. It's like it's like a thing. So it is interesting. Now, BSEC brings up an interesting point that I wanna cover is that the cyber insurance companies are hemorrhaging because of the amount of incidents going on and the payouts and everything like that. So you do have to be very, very careful uh, on the wording. So if you do work in GRC, if you are an information security manager, a CISO, whatever, and you're looking to re-up your contract for cyber insurance, first of all, if you don't have basic controls like multi-factor, you might not even be able to get a cyber insurance policy. That's how particular cyber insurance providers are now. They won't even write you policies if your information security sucks. Second thing to note here, read the wording because sometimes they won't cover third-party liability. They won't cover certain incidences of certain problems follow. What do I mean by that? Imagine, if you will, that you are, um, I don't know, like sometimes we use Joel Belton's ice cream shop, right? Let's say you're an ice cream shop and you outsource the management of the refrigeration of your ice cream coolers, right? Your whole product is ice cream. You need the ice cream coolers to stay cold. Good good on you. You, 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 you outsourced it to Marcus Seiler Refrigeration. You know, All right, so Marcus Seiler, you got an HVAC company. Marcus Seiler's company gets ransomware and their systems go down and they can't serve their clients. And for whatever reason, that downstream impact affects Joel Belton's ice cream cooler. And his ice cream cooler turns off and then the ice cream melts. Joel Belton's ice cream shop has the best information security possible. They they pay for quantified risk assessments and they have barricade cyber on, on speed dial, right? They're doing everything they can. Every employee has like triple factor authentication. It's not their fault. It's a third party's cyber incident that rolled downhill and hit them in the face. If your cyber insurance policy does not account for third-party liability, guess what? Sorry, Joel, your ice cream's gone, bubba, right? So be very careful. That's all I'll say about cyber insurance. I could do an entire show on it, frankly. Like, cyber insurance is really important, but it's such a boring topic that a lot of people don't want to hear it, don't want to digest it. It's in, it's a very important. If you work in GRC, you absolutely need to understand cyber insurance, like bar none. Okay, I probably should have put it in my GRC course. I, I don't remember if it's in my GRC course, but it, it's very very important. It's just a really tough topic that people don't care about. West worried about China's legacy chip focus. The U.S. and European chip sanctions against China in recent years generally focus on cutting edge technology. This saw export bans impacting things like fabrication machines using extreme ultraviolet lithography. As a result, China has begun pouring funds into manufacturing so-called legacy chips using older technology. 
Bloomberg sources say this new focus sparked new concerns from U.S. and European policymakers, saying the U.S. wants to prevent ships from becoming a point of leverage with China. The industry trade group, SEMI, forecasts China will lead all nations in building 26 new chip fabs through 2026. Yeah. And now... So that, like, uh, again, I don't like to get geopolitical on the channel, but this has been, like, this has been, like, a slow-moving cruise ship. You know, you can see it off the horizon, and it's just been, like, chugga, 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 chugga. And it's just been cruising, but it looks slow to us. Thank you, Space Tacos. Listen, there is tons of information out there on this semiconductor. Semiconductor, it's not even an arms race. It's like a semiconductor um, throttling to China. So China has the, the, the plants to make chips and semiconductors but they don't have like the raw part of it, the first part of it, the plans and all that. And the United States, China has been moving, and this has nothing to do with um, the, whatever they call it, the illness of unknown origin or whatever. I don't want to say the actual word, but you know, this has nothing to do with this. This has to do with like two first world powers fighting for supremacy, in my opinion. Okay. So if you, if you look, this chip thing has been going on. Uh, let's see, Japan, Netherlands, uh, chip, U.S., export, China, right? This was from April of 2023. Japan, Netherlands plans for new export controls on semiconductor equipment. Do you want to know what the export controls are? Basically, not to China. <laughs> like, that's what that is. Um, here we go. Limit exports of chip making equipment to China. So not just chips, but equipment, um, IP. Um, like like it's it's bananas. And then it's gotten so crazy. I think it's AMD chip. Like, let me see. Here's March 2023. China tackles chip talent shortage with new courses, higher pay. So they're trying to up up staff. Their, their population with knowledge on how to manufacture chips. Like they are, they are basically, I, I, again, I don't want to get political, but like there is a thing going on between China trying to get semiconductor tech. It, think of it like the game civilization where like you have your tech trees and they're trying to build. Well, for a long time, China was just buying these things from others, but now there's like throttling going on. It's like basically a resource in a technocentric uh, society. And instead of getting them outsourced, China's making their own. And because the U.S. knows this, they're they're not they're they're trying to strangle it um, that capability. What does this mean for us as cybersecurity practitioners? Two things to note here: one, um, there. Once they get up and running, you, I could imagine either some expo, uh, some some purchase controls around buying things with uh, Chinese chips in them, uh, or you could imagine like a a um, an ease on access to things that have chips. Right? Have, if, I don't know if anyone in chat has tried to go buy a new car, but the last time I checked, I I didn't. I was getting my oil changed, but like next last time I was talking or hearing someone buying a new car, it was like eighteen months out. 
One of the big reasons that the manufacturing of automobiles is so far out is because of the chips. It's not because of like the steel or the rubber or anything else. It's the chips. Complex machines require lots of semiconductors and lots of like chips. And those things have to be produced. And there's a throttle on them being produced. So um, anyways, we'll see that. And then, of course, you hear the other thing that matters to us as cyber practitioners you hear rumors and bubblings of China baking in backdoors into their content. I mean, into their products. Um, what is this one? Uh, I think it's Bloomberg has still not um, rescinded this story. I don't know if you guys remember this. This was like a this was a dumpster fire. Um, oh my god, this was a dumpster fire um, years ago. Do you guys remember this? This was like basically this was like the the can the light lighting of the candle that started this whole thing. This was from 2018. Do you guys remember this? People in our community, cybersecurity practitioners were like livid. We were all talking about how not possible and impractical and unreal lots of really really big names came out and spoke out against this story. Bloomberg has yet to retract it. Um the idea that China was like hard hardwiring a backdoor onto all of the motherboards that are being used in data centers in like Amazon and Apple and stuff like that. And that China basically had this massive surveillance ecosystem. Um, but, but there was no evidence to support it. It was, it was, it was a whole thing, y'all. It was a whole thing. All right, let's keep going. A word from our sponsor, Opal. Opal is the data centric identity platform. Identity is one of the last great enterprise frontiers. It's fragmented with legacy architecture. Opal's mission is to empower enterprises to understand and calibrate access end-to-end. -end. The best security teams from companies like Databricks, Figma, Blend, and Drata use Opal to build identity security for scale. That's opal.dev. Printers. All right. So I didn't ask at the beginning, but if you're a first timer here, if this is your first Simply Cyber Daily Cyber Threat Brief podcast, do me a solid hashtag first timer in chat. Do love saying hello to the the newcomers and Simply Cyber community members. If you could welcome these newcomers, I uh, definitely appreciate it. All right. So if you're new here, first timer, Carrie knows what we're doing. We got a tradition and today's no different. Let's do it. All right, everybody. Want to say thank you. Thank you all. Thank you, Marcus G. Thank you, Jesse Johnson. Thank you, Chinadu. Thank you, BSEC. Thanks, Jenny Housley. Thanks, Joel Belton. Thanks, Mods. Josh Mason in here. Good to see you, Josh. Good. Thanks, Justin Gold. Really appreciate all of you being here. I love starting my morning with you. Coffee cup cheers to all of you. If you are getting value from the stream, from the community, educational value, entertainment value, do me a favor, hit the like button. The reason I'm asking you to hit the like button is because it'll trigger the YouTube algorithm and it will go tell more people who are interested in cybersecurity what we're doing over here. It's a way to pay it forward and have someone else find the show. Robert Moritz, I'm trying to get back and look at the GRC class videos and none of them are there. Am I missing something? Robert, uh, connect with you um, or DM me in chat. I mean, they're there. They're there. I, I, I'm not sure. Um, and unfortunately, I don't have a support person. I am support for Simply Cyber School as well as uh, lead instructor. 
Thanks for hitting the like button, guys. Oh, great, Darius Cater. Lots of first-timers. Glad to hear that. Guys, let me tell you, I want to thank the stream sponsors for their long-term support. Anti-Siphon, Panopsi, and Barricade Cyber. Barricade Cyber has been a sponsor since the beginning for over a year and a half now. Um, Barricade Cyber Solutions, run by Eric Taylor, is dedicated to helping businesses from cyber attacks and recover from the damage done. Cyber attacks can cause massive issues for businesses and send dedicated, hardworking business owners into turmoil. But guess what, y'all? Barricade Cyber Solutions knows how to mitigate the damage done by cyber incidents. Check them out at barricadecyber.com. Links in the description below. If you go to their website and you're having uh, an issue, just scroll to the bottom. Get on Eric's calendar. What kind of issue are you having? Ransomware? Business email compromise? Something else? Just want to talk to Eric? Get on his schedule. Talk to him. Guy's great. Service is excellent. Don't be a victim. All right, guys. Every single... Oh, my gosh. Every single day on the threat briefing... Haircut fish, you're not a first timer. Get out of here. Um, every single day on the on the stream, we do the Simply Cyber Community Challenge. Darius Cater um, has the baton right now. Darius, thank you so much for posting, guys. Darius is going to tag somebody. Go on to LinkedIn, that person, and post your cyber story. Why are you into it? What have you learned? How are you helping? What? It, who has helped you? Make it the Simply Cyber Community Challenge. Hashtag Simply Cyber Community Challenge in your post. Now, here's the best part. Everybody else that isn't the person with the baton, go on to LinkedIn, search for this hashtag. It's unique. And connect with the people who are posting and commenting. Also, you should be commenting so other people will see you and connect with you. Why would you want to do this? As we said at the beginning, Subro pointed out how important networking is. If you start connecting with people in our Simply Cyber community, your feed will be like tailored and curated with people who are supportive, inclusive, sharing cyber resources, answering the cyber bell. Guys, it is a hack basically on how to leverage LinkedIn to supercharge your network. Get on it. It's it, like, guys, it doesn't take a lot of energy to search for this and start connecting with people. Start making meaningful relationships. Take one or two steps a day. By the end of the month, you're going to have taken 100 steps, right? You're going to be much further than you were when you started. Believe me. Thank you, Akil George. All right. Uh, Jenny, keep an eye on the uh, tag, if you would, please. All right, guys. Finally, every Tuesday, I share a little story about myself, Tidbits Tuesday. This one, I wanted to take it back to yesteryear. Guys, I don't know about you. I was thinking of foods that I liked as a kid that I don't like now. And I got to tell you, when I got home from school, like third grade, fourth grade, fifth grade, I would eat strawberry Pop-Tarts like, like they were oxygen. You know what I mean? I'd just be like, like just the strawberry Pop-Tarts. Like, like the cinnamon ones, get out of my face. The chocolate s'mores one, no, 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 no. It had to be strawberry frosted with the little sprinkles on it. And I don't eat them anymore. I don't know if I got burned out or if it's because I don't like sugar so much anymore. But strawberry Pop-Tarts was my jam back in the day. I don't know if there's some Pop-Tarts fans in here. Love them or hate them. I know, I guess Pop-Tarts can be a polarizing topic. Uh, really quick, I see a super chat in here. Uh, James McQuiggan. Did we just become best friends? Yep. Welcome to all the newcomers. Be active in network and chat. Find your local ITIS community. ISA, ISC squared. Jerry has me on the chess ropes. Team Live Coffee Chop Cheers. 
Cheers to you, James McQuiggan. I'm not sure. I, uh, yeah, our chess match has been epic. I've, I've, I've slowly started uh, positioning a comeback, but we'll see. I think it might be a last-ditch effort. All right, let's keep rolling. Somehow ruined the joy of throwing them out. Generally, the greatest moment of customer satisfaction for a printer is when you can get rid of the device. However, Canon warned that these discarded devices stored Wi-Fi connection settings in memory after initialization. Data stored includes SSIDs, passwords, IP addresses, and network profiles, opening the door to potential third-party access. Canon says this impacted 196 models across its consumer, business, and large-format inkjet lineups. Canon issued firmware updates to resolve the issue and advised all users to reset all settings twice before discarding a printer. Yeah, because everybody's going to go change the settings twice uh, on a printer before discarding it. Uh, but also, like, firmware updates if you've already thrown it away. No, Dude, tell me the last time you applied a firmware update to a printer device. Now, I, I know that we're usually a supportive, inclusive community, and we're not typically violent in here. But, uh, you know, the famous scene from Office Space. Who doesn't, who doesn't hate a printer? Um, I will say, Canon... I don't have that much of a problem with Canon. I I loathe. Here's another tidbits Tuesday. I loathe HP printers. Loathe them. I have one. I, I wish I could, like, I, I don't know how to explain it. Like, I, I won't yeet it, but I hate it. I hate it. Oh, I'm looking at it right now. I see you. Oh, it's like they intentionally make it painful to use. I don't know about you guys. All right, so here's the deal. All right, so BSEC updated the firmware on printers a couple months ago. So I guess it happens. I'm not. I'm. I'm like this. I'm like this uh, wild renegade. Uh, not operating. Uh, oh my God! So Reggie Davis updated mom's yesterday. I did it last week. Greg Casey saying, "Okay, all right. Well then, um, <laughs> I guess that does it for Simply Cyber. I'm uh, signing off, and I'll go find a community of people who hate printers too." <laughs> I didn't realize that. I guess I'm in the mi uh, the minority, y'all, um, who doesn't update their uh, printer firmware. Um, no, I hate HP printers. All printers are okay. Um, all right. So hey, you know what? I'm I'm regularly uh, I'm regularly uh, humbled and su surprised with uh, things that I take for uh, assumed majority that i find are not like people who use the outlook fat client on their computer thought no one did that anymore i was wrong i don't update firmware printer, printers on firmware apparently i was wrong so i i will fall on that sword uh okay so here's the real risk though and cody kinsey kind of talked about this before guys if your wi-fi password first of all if your wi-fi password is being used uh anywhere else that's a that's a that's a problem and if you don't want people jumping on your Wi-Fi, maybe your home network you don't care about, but a corporate network, if you have like a, um, a mesh network across multiple sites, here's the deal, right? I throw a printer in a, in a, in a um, ditch or I sell it online, right? That Wi-Fi cred, so the password, the SSID, other sensitive information is stored on there. Well, what's the, what's the value of that? Well, guys... It's not that hard, right? It's not that hard to go on wiggle.net, which is a crowdsourced like wireless network mapping thing, and just type in the SSID, right? Just type in the SSID 
and go find it. Now, if it's an SSID like Linksys, that's going to be kind of hidden in the in the noise. But maybe it's called like, you know, I don't know, like B-Sex Transportation Company or whatever, like something unique. Well, then if that's the case, you can get that, uh, find where it is, then you can go there, you can hop on the network and boom, you're off and running, right? If you're doing a pen test, maybe you can get a used printer from that company and now you've got creds to their wireless network. You don't even have to break in. So that that's kind of the risk here. TLDR, if you're running Canon printers, let your IT people know that they need to be mindful and do a factory reset, basically. It says do it twice, but I think they're just being overly cautious. Factory reset on devices. Final thing I'll say about this, because this is a media protection control in the NIST cybersecurity family. I'm going to go off on a limb here and say it's MP4. MP4? Is it MP4? Uh, Oh, wait, hold on. Uh, NIST controls. Alana, which which one is it? Is it MP4 uh, media sanitization? No, that's storage. I, maybe it's three media marking. Oh my God. It's been so long. Weak, weak. Your S is weak. Yeah. MP6 media sanitization. So whether it's a printer, whether it's a computer, a laptop, a phone, before you let, release it out of your organization's control, you absolutely should wipe it. There's different levels of wiping. You could throw it in a degaussing machine, rip the hard drive out. I've seen people shoot it with a shotgun. I've seen people put a hammer through it. Uh, When I worked in Antarctica, their SOP was to drive over it with a steamroller, literally. Um, So choose your own adventure, but long as you destroy it before it leaves the environment. Also would work, right? You could take a steamroller and run over this Canon printer and that would solve the problem too. Cyber attack proves a nightmare for Temper Sealy. The mattress giant reported to the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission this week that a cyber attack impacted its operations starting on July 23rd. It's not clear if this represented a ransomware attack, but its regulatory filing did say it activated incident response and business continuity plans as a result. The attack also forced Temper Sealy to shut down some of its IT systems and interrupt overall operations. No word on if any data leaked in the attack, but the company did say it will notify any impacted parties if discovered. All right, so little known fact, Temper Sealy, I'm pretty sure there's only like one mattress company, like major mattress company in the world. Like they have like Sealy and Beautyrest and um, there's like a couple names, um, but they're all owned by the same company. They just keep the different uh, Stearns and Foster. Yeah, you can see like Temper Sealy owns... Sealy, Stearns and Foster, Tempest, Cocoon. Um, that's why some of these other brands like uh, Purple or whatever it is are coming out. Guys, this is not a big deal, right? Big, big manufacturing company suffers ransomware incident. Like that's the TLDR here. Uh, hopefully they're not impacted too bad. They can keep their manufacturing lines open. OT is typically separated from IT. It, it, you know, they are integrated, but it's it's uncommon for a ransomware to bring OT down, at least in my experience. So the company has also notified law enforcement authorities, which gives us the opportunity to do this. All right. So IT ops are down. Mattress, uh, Temper Sealy was a $1.2 billion in sales last quarter. All right. So a $5 billion annual revenue chances are they had backups. You would think that they had backups or certainly enough money to hire staff, call barricade cyber, et cetera. I'm not going to spend more time on this. Just know you can get a great night's sleep on a temper Sealy, 
even if they are ransomware. Ninja Form Bugs puts WordPress at risk. Patchstack disclosed several vulnerabilities impacting the popular WordPress plugin. One included a cross- Really quick, queued up, queued up in chat says, hopefully they won't lose sleep over it. <laughs> I love it, queued up. That's a good one. I like that. Site scripting flaw that allows for privilege escalation when visiting a maliciously crafted site. This seems to mirror another cross-site scripting flaw previously disclosed oh, in no Infograph premium WordPress SDK. Another flaw related to privileges allows for users in a subscriber role to export all NinjaForm submissions. WordPress lists the NinjaForm plugin installed on over 800,000 sites. Well, that's gross. Okay, so here's the TLDR here. We're getting close because I was like losing my mind at the first half of the show. I like we I probably need like a sounder for this. If you're running WordPress or Carl is if you find WordPress in your environment, most people, again, like I was wrong about printer firmware, but most people will try out different plugins and then not disable those plugins that they don't like. They're just like, oh, try it, try it, try it. It's like installing apps on your phone, playing with them, and then be like, I don't like this app, and then just like leaving it on your phone. Ninja Forms is a plugin for WordPress. It's on 800,000 sites, which I guess they're getting that number from either Ninja Forms or from a Shodan, a Shodan search. Guys, if you're running Ninja Forms on a WordPress plugin and the data on that system is at all um, sensitive, you definitely want to um, get control of that. Also, it says here that an unauthenticated user can achieve privesque on the WordPress. All right, so then they can get on the box. This 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 means that they might be able to call a reverse shell, which would allow them to get onto the underlying server that's hosting the WordPress instance. So if it's in your environment, that would be a foothold into your environment and allow a threat actor to continue to pivot from there. TLDR guys, because again, I'm trying to be a little bit quicker. If you're running WordPress, you need to be on top of it all the time because this is just a story about Ninja Forms. But dude, like if you scratch an inch deep, you will find WordPress plugins issues all the time. You really need a multi-pronged approach. You need to educate Carl. You need to educate your end users that they need to, first of all, go through an appropriate process around getting IT deployed in, in your environment, not just standing up WordPress wherever they want. Second of all, if you're going to use plugins, only use the ones you need. It's called least use, period, right? That That's a control. Third, make sure that you're updating and patching your plugins when they are. Four, as an IT or infosec department, you should be scanning with like Shodan, your external network interface, or use you know your vulnerability scanner of choice and scan and make sure that you're seeing these things and then do exposure management and <laughs> like make sure your exposure is fine. So if this WordPress site is exposed and vulnerable, well then can you put network segmentation on it? Can you push that into the DMZ? Can you increase logging on that box to see if it's gonna get popped? InfoSec is a multi-pronged approach. And this is a good example where, yeah, it's an IT, it's a WordPress plugin, but you can attack it with multiple dimensions of controls, administrative, managerial, operational, technical, right? There's a, a bunch of different, like you can do preventative controls, detective controls, corrective controls. Like you can hit this from multiple angles. All right. By the way, just from an information security job interview perspective, this is a perfect story for you to just casually drop in an interview and then explain 
all the different facets of how you might control it as a GRC person. I was talking to someone just yesterday about a GRC job. Uh, if he's watching, this is an awesome example. Very simple story, but very complex way to respond to it. We got a super chat in here from Blue Sky. Job prospects for job prospects for beginners, AWS versus cyber in light of recent tech layoffs. Your GRC course and IC squared CC certificates sufficient to land a job. All right, hold on really quickly. Did we just become best friends? Yep. Uh, Blue Sky, I don't know anything yet about the uh, CC certificate. I am actually doing a video, sponsored video with ISC Squared in September on the CC certificate. I'm going to go through the whole program and break it down. My understanding is the CC is a lot like Security Plus. Again, that's my, that's my like, you know, swag opinion of it, which would not be sufficient on its own to get a job. My GRC course... I would say is sufficient to land an entry level GRC analyst job only. Like that's it's a very specific job within the information security field. And I'm not saying that just to pump my course. I know multiple people who have reached out to me and told me because of my course they got a job. Okay? So it's not it's not made up. I just I'm ter it's I'm a one man shop, so it's it's not easy for me to like capture testimonials and do marketing pushes and crap like that. But believe me, people have DM'd me and told me that they got a job because of the course. I can't promise you a job, Blue Sky. I can't promise anyone a, a job, but I know it's been, um, it's it's happened. Apple gives in on X. We previously reported last week that the platform formerly known as Twitter couldn't change its moniker on Apple's App Store to X as the App Store Connect portal requires at least two characters for an app name. However, over the weekend, the app updated to reflect the new name. No word from Apple about the exemption. X also changed its App Store tagline to Blazer Glory. Interpret as you will. Oh, my God. Let's face it. All right. So as I reported yesterday on the chat when Apple said, no, 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 no. <clears throat> I am, again, I am totally biased because I've been watching Succession on HBO Max. But here's my thing. Like Tim Cook, Elon, maybe Bill Gates was there. I don't know, in the back getting some like a like some punch from the punch bowl. I just picture these guys in like a really, really nice, like wood room that smells of leather and, you know, <laughs> and leather bound books and mahogany. Uh, and like Elon's like, oh, man, Tim, quit, quit busting my chops, man. Just let me have the X thing. And Tim's like, I don't know. I don't know, Elon. I sure would like uh, Seychelles. And then he's like, fine, I'll give you Seychelles. And he's like, all right, all right, you can have it, right? I, uh, this is a completely made-up scenario. I, I don't think Tim Cook owns Seychelles, nor would he, can he give it to Elon, um, nor did they meet in a, in, a, in a room, and Bill Gates wasn't in the back getting into a punch bowl. But my point is, this is all such, like, big tech bro, you know, posturing. Blaze your glory. I, well, okay. Like, there we go. I don't even know what that means. What do you guys think? Do you think it's because it's 420? Do you think, oh my God, what are we doing? Do you think it's because it's 420? He says, blaze your glory. That's the only thing I can think of because blaze, blaze doesn't have anything to do with X as far as I know, right? I don't know. Here's my thing. At the end of the day, it's called X now. Yeah, people are like, I don't care. I'll probably still use it. I think it's a stupid decision. If I bought something, to me, the blue bird, the word Twitter, tweets, 
it's all like part of what you bought. The word was ubiquitous in our society. You can't call posts on X tweets anymore, can you? Because they're not tweets. They're zeets or whatever. So I think it's a little silly, uh, but whatever. The guy's got $40 billion or whatever. He can do whatever he wants. Uh, I'll just keep yelling into a microphone in my four foot by four foot phone booth that I stand in until the until the busher, buffer Osier Flow studio pops. But um, whatever. This is just more silliness that we'll talk to our we'll talk to our kids one day about. Oh, it used to be called Twitter, or I'm so old I remember when it was called Twitter, or what whatever. Right? We'll see. I know it's part of a bigger play for Elon to have like X, you know, like SpaceX. Social media X, whatever, video game X. Like he's trying to brand X as his thing so you can recognize it, but whatever. Shifting left is so five years ago. All right. I can't deal with that statement. All right. Um, guys, really quickly, if you were if you were here just for the news, give me one hot minute. This Thursday at 4 30 p.m., simply cyber live. Um, every single Thursday at 4.30 p.m., many of you know this, I have industry guests on for, you know, basically sharing industry news, experience, helping everybody level up. Um, this Thursday, I'm actually going to do a special Simply CyberCon transparency update. We've done a couple of these. We've made some significant progress and we're ready for a new update for the community. Um, if anybody who is a lead with Simply Cyber CyberCon would like to appear on the stream, just DM me. Many of you are in mod chat anyways. Um, but I, I, I'm prepared to run solo on this if need be. It's important to me to provide an update to everybody, especially before we get going into Vegas, because Vegas is going to take a lot of focus and energy for me. So stay tuned this Thursday. I have not scheduled it yet, so you cannot find it on the channel. I'm I'm backed up, guys. It, it, it's a lot of work running Simply Cyber, uh, in addition to my job and my family. And I'm teaching a summer course at the Citadel. So the course isn't, I mean, this like this, this stream is not scheduled yet, but it will be this Thursday at 4.30 p.m. Eastern time. All right, guys, if you were here just for the news, peace out. Thank you all so very much. Solid Tuesday. Welcome, August. Goodbye, July. Uh, to those of you who have interviews, good luck. To those of you who are, um, you know, out there searching best wishes uh keep leveling up keep helping everybody thank you all so very much um i'm gonna i'll do like f two three minutes of jaw jacking only because i'm i've got a uh i have an appointment i have like a coffee appointment with um an industry player for potentially some work um at 9 30 at starbucks i'll give you a hint what i'm getting all right so uh thank you everybody be good All right, guys, really quick. Uh, I got a couple minutes for jaw jacking. Robert Moritz uh, mentioned he couldn't access the GRC course. Robert, um, just uh, ping me or I have to leave to go to this coffee thing, so I can't fix it right now. But believe me, um, the, the one thing that a lot of people have had trouble with is logging into the course with the wrong email account that they set up the course with. So perhaps try a different email account and see if it's there. I don't take away enrollment from anyone. It doesn't have a time span on it, um, so it's there. Oh yeah, 
BSEC, that's the transition to jawjacking. I'm going to make a whole show around it. Um, Jesse, simply Jesse Johnson says, I want to share a site, but I'm terrified of WordPress. Any alternatives? Uh, oh, um, what is a good alternative to starting a site? I mean, WordPress isn't bad if you main, if you manage it, right? That's the thing. You got to manage it. Um, I'll, I'll leave it to other people on the channel. Like I use Wix personally. I, I use Wix for Simply Cyber and Simply CyberCon. It's more because of convenience, right? Like Wix, a lot of the infrastructure is already in place. A couple clicks, I'm off and running. I do pay for Wix, um, but I'm paying for time. I like time. Like right now, time is so so valuable to me that paying a couple hundred bucks a year so the Wix site is like out of sight, out of mind, and I don't have to worry about these type of things and, and managing it. That's worth it to me. Um, oh, I want to say shout out to. Um, Shout out to uh, IT at 40. IT at 40, who picked up the Simply Cyber Community Challenge. IT at 40. Uh, great work. Uh, please look forward to your post on LinkedIn. Uh, what are we doing? Where's my... Where is it? Oh, yeah. All right. Um, let me keep looking at chat really quickly. Is there an ethical concern with recording going through a home lab like Eric Capuano's? Um, uh, so you want to be a SOC analyst, new to cyber and thinking of content ideas. No, Douglas Tanner. So here's the deal. If you were to record Eric Capuano's SOC lab and then post it as your own and not give credit or cite Eric in any way, that would be unethical. I have several, I have like three or four videos on my channel. They're bundled as a playlist of me going through, like one of them is me going through and building the whole lab out so you can follow along. One is me telling you about the lab and why it's valuable. One is me interviewing Eric and explaining what's up. And then one is like a short one about like why you'd want to use the lab. All of those things, I reference back to Eric's blog post, super valuable, super okay. And in fact, it goes one step further because I already have a relationship with Eric, but I, I called Eric and I was like, hey, dude, I want to make this video series around your blog post. I think it's incredibly valuable, but I think that some people won't be able to read the blog post and put it together. What do you think? He's like, that's a really cool idea. Thank you. So because he's like, I don't have time to do that. So I made it. And now he came on my show. And now he, more people are finding out about Eric. More people are finding out about Simply Cyber. So there's a lot of economies of scale in the value of doing something like that so absolutely do it the hard part is like doing it right it's it, i here's my, here's one thing that i have learned over the last three years of simply cyber ideas i don't want to say they're a dime a dozen but lots of people have lots of great ideas execution is the hard part and it you know what really becomes hard um like saying no to ideas right or putting them on the back burner um Oh my gosh, Masonic. Oh boy. Uh, Pastor of Muppets says, Hi Jerry, do you see the barrier for entry into GRC? Auditing, softening, lots of open positions, but it's champagne taste with beer budgets. Employers want tons of certs. Um, okay, hold on, Blue Sky. Uh, I'll, I'll answer your question in a second. Um, I can't say whether I've seen GRC softening. Um, I would argue that there's going to be a lot of opportunity around GRC jobs simply because as the cyber insurance story covered, a lot of organizations know that they need cybersecurity and they don't know what they need. They're not going to hire like a SOC analyst because 
they're going to start with a GRC analyst, which is kind of like a one-size-fits-all type role. Now, that doesn't mean a SOC analyst couldn't go apply as a GRC person, but most businesses that are just dipping their toes in the cyber waters are going to start with a GRC person. Audit is definitely for professional services. All right, final question here. Uh, Blue Sky asking um, about AWS versus cybersecurity jobs. Here's the thing, and I'm actually going to tell you this because this just came up yesterday um, at at the company I work for, I there was a need for AWS DevOps work. And <clears throat> the CEO of the company said, Jerry, can you do that? And I said, no, like, no, not at all. Like GRC, I mean, information, listen to me. Here's the deal. Information security is different than IT. IT and information security are way different than DevOps. Understanding AWS DevOps, that's an engineering role. That's a very technical role. You do all sorts of things around um, automation, workflows, performance, scaling up and scaling down. It's a totally different path. Like when I say different path, I mean, it's like walking west and information security is walking north. I mean, they're not even in the same vein, right? Now you could secure AWS, right? There's an overlap there, but they're two different things. So what I would say is there's a ton of work. AWS DevOps work is very, very valuable and you can charge a lot. Uh, I know there's several people in Eastern Europe that um, do AWS work. So there's some, uh, you know, it's it's a global thing. But if you're going to go all in on AWS, know that you can do some cyber stuff. But for the most part, you're going in on AWS DevOps. A lot of big tech companies run on AWS. So there is value there. A lot of startup companies like AWS because you can spin up fast and move quick and break things and save money without the infrastructure costs. I don't know how easy it is to break into the AWS space because that's not what I do. I live, breathe, and eat cybersecurity. AWS, that's a different restaurant with a different menu. I can't I can't speak to that. But I will say that that's a specialized skill set that definitely, definitely has value if you want to go that route. All right, guys, I got a boogie here. I, I, I've got a boogie, but uh, thanks everybody for your time. I hope you got value from the show. Super, super happy everybody had a good day. We'll be back tomorrow for Worldwide Wednesday, so do show up for that. That is a team live thing. Thank you all very much. Until next time, stay secure. Everybody, I hope you enjoyed that content. Keep the cybersecurity train going by connecting with the other Simply Cyber community resources. We have the Discord server that's lively and always keeps the conversation going. You can connect with me directly on LinkedIn. And also every single weekday morning on the Simply Cyber channel, we're doing live daily cyber threat briefings, 8 a.m. Eastern time, as well as Thursday at 4.30 p.m. We're doing live stream interviews with industry experts and we produce videos that we push out every Wednesday morning. I'm Jerry from Simply Cyber. I hope you enjoyed the content and we'll see you in the next one. Thank you.